Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to As I Live and Grieve. Today we have another returning guest, one of our favorites, and he's one of our favorites for me especially. You know I'm a writer, you know I love words, and John has a lot of them. John Polo, welcome back today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back. Great. We're delighted to have you back, and we're going to talk today about dating. Um, And I have actually entitled this session, Dating During Slash After Slash In Spite of Grief because I think it can happen at any stage. And me personally, I'm going to grieve for the rest of my life. So should I ever choose to date, it's going to be during or while grieving. So before we actually get started with that, and it's a great topic, could you, John, just give our listeners a little brief update of your background? Yeah, sure. So I met my late wife, Michelle, in high school. We dated for a year. Um, We lived about two hours apart. So we had a bad breakup and we lost all contact. I sure was fully in love with her. Seven years later, I'm sitting at my uh, dining room table going over some email and up popped an email from Michelle. We spoke for an entire year via email and text and then phone before she came to visit me. I think we were both so scared because of like how hurt we both were when we broke up in high school. But she did come to visit me after a year of communication, and we picked up right where we left off. We both admitted that we had always loved each other, et cetera, et cetera. So we started building a life together. Uh, About two and a half years after that, she got diagnosed with one of the worst cancers known to man, and she fought it for two and a half years before she passed away in January of 2016. And you are very transparent in your books about your love and your feelings for Michelle, as you are also transparent about the gamut of emotions that you experience while grieving. And I so appreciate that. And it's in words from you and some others that we've had as guests that I have actually healed a lot. So I thank you in advance for that. Getting to the meat of the topic today, dating, during, after, in spite of grief. At some point, Either someone makes a comment to us, one of these seemingly harmless, loving comments. Oh, come on, move on. Find somebody else. Find somebody else and date. Or maybe you have a recollection of your partner or spouse saying to you, I don't want you to be alone for the rest of your life. I want you to find someone else to have fun with, to be your companion. Or you yourself think, oh my gosh, I just don't want to be alone anymore. And suddenly this whole issue of dating rears its ugly head. And I say ugly head because if you are grieving, this can be especially traumatic. Am I correct? Yes. So, you know, quickly I'll say a month after Michelle passed, I was going completely stir crazy. I was drowning in grief. I didn't know what to do with myself. And a friend suggested I start a blog. I started a blog with a matching Facebook page. It took off. I don't think the world was used to a 31-year-old man expressing his emotion and his vulnerability that way and showing his heart that way. 
about two years later, I put my first book out and I started coaching at the same time. And I started as a grief coach. <laughs> and what I very quickly realized was that, okay, well, what do we do when people start thinking about dating again? or when they need to look at their self-esteem or their purpose or their motivation. So I did not start off as a dating coach. It kind of evolved into that. But yes, and it's different for everyone, right? There are people who say, I never, ever, ever want to date again, and they stand by that. There are people who say that, and then it evolves, and they do want to get back out there. There are people who know early on that they want to try to find human connection or love again. But it's an uphill battle. It's not an easy thing for a whole lot of reasons. The judgment from other people. If you've been married 50 years and you met your husband or your wife when you were 17, guess what? You don't even remember how to date. Widowed people's self-esteem and self-worth tends to take a hit. So, you know, it's not an easy process (laughs) and it can be a headache, especially when you first get back out there. And it can be very confusing as well. Right. And from one of the pages of your book, Widowed Two, Now I Live, you have, I'm just going to read this briefly. It's one of the things I love to do in a podcast. It's 421 days as a widower. For the love of apple cider vinegar, if one more person asks me how I can still be in love with Michelle, but be ready to date, I am going to lose my mind. I will always love Michelle, but I want to find something special again. Hashtag you, hashtag have, hashtag no have, hashtag <laughs> I love the way you separate your hashtag sentences um, because when it's one whole phrase, sometimes it's, it's more difficult to read. But this speaks to the instance about even though you found yourself ready to find someone special in your life, and, and you're young, and you were young when Michelle died, but that does not diminish the love that you had for Michelle, Correct. Absolutely. I mean, I was 31 when Michelle passed away. You know, I did a, a video analogy on this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to give it to you right here. So okay. uh, imagine I have a cup in my hands. Okay. I have a cup in my hands. And when I talk about the cup being full, I'm not talking about with liquid. Okay. When I talk about the cup being full, I'm talking about my love for Michelle. That's what is in the cup. That's what represents the cup being full. That cup is just as full now six and a half years out from my loss as it ever was as it was when she was alive right after she passed two years out four years out six and a half years out that cup will never not be as full it's overflowing still if i meet somebody else if i fall in love with somebody else that does not take away from how full that cup is. It doesn't take away in any way, shape, or form from the love I have for Michelle. The new person just gets their own damn cup. (laughs) I like that. I like that. And you actually speak to that on page 71 of the same book, Widowed Two, Now I Live. Dating tip number 734. If they are jealous of a dead person, they probably aren't a strong enough person for you. Now, that speaks to the new person in your life and how they are going to have to find a way themselves to adjust to the fact that you still have love for Michelle. 
So I want to address that, but before we address that, do you really have 734 dating tips? <laughs> well, I kind of number them in a random way, but yes, I probably do have more than 734. Okay. And to the point of the matter, the perspective of the new person in your life, when you say if they're jealous, like for example, someone you meet, if they're jealous of your love for Michelle, they're probably not strong enough for you. So what do you do about something like that? Let me tell you a quick story before I answer the question directly. So I was 22 years old and I was having dinner with my mom and my sister. And my mom said, she knew I was looking to find someone special. And my mom said, you know, I know a widow. Why don't you let me introduce you? And once I could wrap my head around the fact that like not all widowed people were 84 years old. And she explained to me that, no, <laughs> she was actually 24, just, you know, two years older than me. I said, I will never date a widow. And my sister kind of like in a taken aback tone said, why not? And I'm like, because I'm not competing with a dead man. That 22-year-old kid was not strong enough to date a widow. And hell, maybe if Michelle never passed, maybe I never would have become the person strong enough to date a widowed person. It does take someone patient. It takes someone strong. It takes someone with a very lo loving and open heart. I have a lot of clients who worry about this. You know, what if, what if they don't want me talking about him? You know, what if they don't want me talking about Joey? What if they don't want me having the pictures up of Joey? And I'm like, too bad? <laughs> I, and it, too bad? Why would you want to be with a person who takes that away from you? Michelle's love, her life, and her death, all of them have made me the person I am today. So if you want into my life, if you want into my heart, you should not only accept that, but you should embrace it. And there are a lot of people out there, widowed and non-widowed, who do make wonderful partners, who are open and patient and loving. And not only, again, accept you talking about your deceased person, but actually embrace it. Yeah, it's, and actually great minds think alike, because just before you uttered the words about that Michelle's love made you the person you are, I was thinking exactly that that because of your relationship with Michelle and the years you had together and even the struggles you went through as she was dying and she was ill, all of that made John the person John is today. And for everything, all the trials and tribulations so far I've been through in my life, it's made me who I am today, and I am a much stronger person. Now, I personally fall into the category of I never want to date again. Part of that, I think, is because I took care of my husband, like you did, Michelle. I took care of my husband for eight months and watched him decline and diminish as a person. I don't ever want to knowingly expose myself to that again. That's a personal feeling, a personal fear, if you will. Yet, I'm intelligent enough to know that it's not unlikely that I could be at the farmer's market one day and meet someone new and instantly change my mind. My mind is open enough for that. But I am just not knowingly going to go out there and search eHarmony or Silver Singles or, or any of those because I have no interest in that. Right now I'm still working on Kathy, for example. So you do a lot of coaching. 
If someone came to you and said, you know, I don't ever want to date again. I don't want to date. I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm done. I'm happy being single. However, my family is pushing me. My friends are pushing me. How do you help that person have the confidence, I guess the strength in their own convictions that how they feel is okay? I know your podcasts are usually only a half hour, but can we just go like six hours today so we could talk? <laughs> this is like, I, I can talk to you all day. I'll try to narrow it down here. Let me give you a couple. Well, I agree. This this could require you to come back again. Let's just take care of that up front. Well, and after you read my dating book, I'll, I'll come back again and we'll do a follow-up. So I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. First of all, read my piece, sit down and shut up. I mean, look, after... My favorite, my very favorite piece of yours let's just talk about loss for a second. Okay. Whether you lost a spouse or a child, whoever it is like, you know, losing Michelle was hell on earth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was hell on earth. And the day that I began to empower myself enough to grieve my own way is the day that I set the stage for myself so that once I wanted to start living again, I could live my own way. There are always going to be people out there who judge how you grieve, how you walk, how you talk, et cetera, everything you do. But those same people who are going to judge you how you grieve are likely going to be the ones who judge you how you judge you on based on how you live again. So you really have to empower yourself enough to live life your way, to grieve your own way. And I think that people who say they never, ever, ever want to date again, like that's perfectly fine. I would never try to convince anyone to date again if that's where they are either in the moment or permanently. The only thing I like to see if I have a client like that, and I'm not necessarily going to ask them, like it's going to become, I'm going to see it as time passes, is, is it just your self-esteem holding you back? Is it just your self-worth holding you back? Is it just guilt holding you back? Those are three things where I feel like if it's one of those three things holding you back, we need to work on them, not so that I get you to a place where you want to date again, but just because we need to work on it. But to your point about fear, I actually feel a little bit differently about fear. So self-esteem, self-worth, fear, and guilt, to me, are the four biggest reasons we self-sabotage. Fear and guilt are very normal for widowed people to deal with. My whole thing is like, we just don't want to let it like stop our forward motion. And that doesn't even mean about dating. That just means with anything. But fear is the one thing that like, I'm not going to push people on. Like if you came to me as a client, Kathy, and it was your self-esteem and your guilt holding you back, I wouldn't push you to start dating again, but I would push you in those conversations. So that we got you to a place where you were at a good place with the guilt. You were at a good place with your self-esteem. We'd work on it. But my biggest fear, I have to be honest with you, Kathy, is exactly what you said. It's falling and loving again and having to be a caretaker again. Because I was for my mom. I was for my dad before he passed. And I was for Michelle. And it's hell. It is. And I, I would never tell somebody, well, just get over that fear and just sign up for dating again. Like that, that's something they have to decide in their own and the, on their own path. Right. Right. And of course, you know, that's fear of something that may never happen. I mean, it's entirely possible. You could meet someone 
fall in love, have a relationship, whether you marry or not is immaterial. But you could be the one to suffer. So along with the fear of not really wanting to have to go through that again is also this kind of side fear about, but if I don't have someone special in my life and I have to go through that, then what? I mean, I have, I have my daughters, of course, and, and I know I can always count on them, but it's, it's not the same. It's those daily trips to the lab and, and everything like that, that not having someone special in your life, there is that emptiness. Yeah, I, I, I like what you say, and, and I, I like the, the fact about the self-esteem, the guilt, the fear, and what was the other? Self-worth. Self-worth. I like that, and I think that's very important for anyone who's grieving to kind of do some self-checks or get some help on that because those are the things that will help you rebuild your life um, and get moving again. People don't realize the the importance of self-esteem and self-worth when you're trying to rebuild your life. They don't realize how fear and guilt can also hold you back. And like you said, you know, when I work with clients on fear, when I do a my love after loss workshop and we look at fear, you know, there's, there's a million, but I might narrow it down to seven or eight, you know, of the most common fears a widowed person might have trying to find love again. And we're going to work on them. And then you're ultimately going to make your decision. But for every fear, there's like a, there's a counter fear. <laughs> so I'm afraid of meeting somebody falling in love and having them die on me and being widowed twice. But I'm also afraid of spending the rest of my time, my life alone. That's right. why it is helpful to look at the fears, identify what you're in fear of, and then be like, okay, I think this is my path forward. Right, right. I agree completely. Now, most I think of what we've been talking about is almost done from the perspective of, you know, you get ready at some point in your grief and you, you make a decision. You know, yes, I want someone. Or perhaps that someone just enters your life unexpected. Is there a point, though, in your grief after the loss that it's probably not really healthy to consider entering the dating scene? I know some people are so desperate to not be alone that they may jump out there and try to find someone. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's such a good question. I'll give you a couple of thoughts. So first off, general statement, like I'm never going to tell somebody that they shouldn't start dating again. Unless I think they're really like doing some harm to themselves, but a couple thoughts. So I think that when we're in really bad places, we are much, much more likely to make bad decisions. And even I can look back a year out. I won't tell you the whole story because it's too long and we don't have time. But like I made some really bad decisions because I was in an incredibly bad place. So we definitely make better decisions about who we allow into our life, as far as friends, family, and especially romantically, when we're in a better place. But I, I, this one's hard for me because, first of all, not only do I not judge people if they start dating quickly, I know people, I know people who have started dating a month out, two months out, three months out, and have met the second love of their life. And are in happy, beautiful relationships. I think from if we look at this from a very like idealistic perspective, I do think that when we can work on ourselves, rebuild ourselves, rebuild our lives in some way, and when we have some form of happiness outside of a romantic relationship, I do think ideally 
that's the best because what happens is then if you meet somebody they are an addition to your happiness and not the sole reason you're not putting all your happy eggs in their basket but again that's very that's very idealistic and i really try to coach from a place of reality so that doesn't have to be the way and it's not always the way it is that's great perspective um about the happiness that makes sure that someone in your life a new person in your life adds to your happiness is not the sole reason because i see something like that heading for some difficulties in you know in, in the future in your relationship but but that's great now one other thought do you have any tips for people that make the decision that they themselves are ready to date? What can you offer them as maybe some do's or don'ts or be cautious about or things like that? Yeah, there's a million things. Let me try to narrow it down here in my head. So let me talk about comparing really quick. Is that okay? Sure. So I think it's it's kind of human nature to compare. It's kind of just like built in, <laughs> but we have to keep a really good eye on it. And we have to watch how far it's going and rein it in. You know, the, there's a lot of ways that I do this for myself and I help clients. One of the most basic elementary is just reminding myself that my wife was absolutely amazing. She was amazing beyond belief. But there's 7 billion people in this world and she's not the only amazing woman to ever be born. And if I start comparing a new love interest to Michelle, I'm doing a disservice to everybody. I'm doing a disservice to the new love interest, to myself. And I'm also doing a, dis, a disservice to, to Michelle because I'm taking away from how amazing she is. So for me, it's not about trying to find another Michelle, but it is about trying to find somebody who I adore. I know what it is to be in a happy, healthy, loving relationship. I know what it is like to adore a human that's what I want again, right? So that's one perspective. I really do think that working on your self-esteem and your self-worth are incredibly important because you're more likely to pick the right people. And then, you know, getting out there. I mean, especially in the social media world we live in, I got to tell you, like, there's too much, like, well, love will just find me. I mean, I actually believe that to a certain extent, but also like if you barricade yourself in the house for the next 40 years of your life, like love's not going to find you. So you've got to help the universe out a little bit. Maybe the pizza delivery guy. Right. You know, it's, it's about the only person you come in contact Right. With. It's the cable man or the pizza delivery guy or, or nobody. So if <laughs> right. you, I love your approach because you're like, if it finds me, it finds me. If not, I'm okay. That's beautiful. But for those that really want it again, you have to make effort. You have to put yourself out there. You have to become a part of, you know, that world again so that you can help the universe help you find it. And some guidelines maybe on that. I know it's not, it's not unlike if you go through a divorce and you decide you want to put yourself out there again. When you make the effort, you do it for maybe some likes of your own. If you like to read maybe you find a group at the library if you're into sports maybe you find a local group that does that if you like dogs maybe it's a kennel club membership who knows but you put yourself in areas where there are going to be new people that share something that you also like 
100%. I agree with that completely. It's something that I will tell my clients all the time. I'll give you a couple other thoughts. So tell people in your life. You know, sometimes I'll say this to a client because they'll be going to lunch with their cousin Susie tomorrow. And they'll be like, well, John, Susie doesn't know anybody. So that would be useless. And I'll be like, first of all, you don't really know everybody that Susie knows. Okay. But beyond that, like Susie doesn't know anybody right now. You don't know what really awesome man who's been divorced for three years and is looking for love again is going to move in down the street from Susie in a month. So you got to let people know because people sometimes are hesitant to bring it up with widowed people because they don't want to like insult us or upset us, et cetera. The two other thing I'll, I'll say, and this is not even just for widowed people. This is just general dating advice. The day that I began to speak to all humans the same, is the day that my life began to fundamentally change. So what do I mean by that? So if I were to go down to the pool at my condo, the old John could walk up to a 52-year-old man and talk to him like nothing. No problem. The old John can walk up to an 80-year-old woman and talk to her. No problem. The old John could walk up to a woman my age who I wasn't attracted to and walk up to her and talk to her like no problem. But put somebody in my path who I was attracted to. And all of a sudden, I started to freeze up. I started to become shy again. I started to all that type of stuff. The day that I worked on that issue, and now I just treat all humans the same. I talk to all humans the same. I'm always the same, John, no matter who I'm talking to, is the day that my romantic life began to really change. And then do we have time for one more quick tip? Absolutely. Let me give you an analogy. This is best presented with an analogy here. Or is it an analogy or an example? I don't know. Whatever. Let me run with it here. So let's say I'm at the airport and I'm going to the airport next Wednesday. And I'm sitting there waiting for my flight. And there's two women sitting across from me. And they both catch my eye. One has her head down in her phone the whole time. Looks like she absolutely does not want to be talked to. The other one... Maybe looks at her phone from time to time, but has her head up, looks like she's in a good mood. We actually exchange eye contact for a second. She gives me a half a smile. If I'm going to talk to one of those women on that day, which one do you think I'm going to talk to? Well, the one that's looking and making eye contact. Right. So it seems so incredibly simplistic, but we don't do this. Everyone's got their head in their phone. They're in such a hurry. You know, we don't do that with people. Being approachable is a great way to be approached because a guy who kind of like has bad intentions, is completely full of himself, maybe isn't the best guy, he might go up to 15 to 20 women a day and hit on them. No joke. There are men like that. A nice guy, a quality guy, maybe perhaps might go up to one woman a day. He's going to go up to the woman that he finds is approachable. That seems like he can go up to her and talk to her. And maybe there's a chance that, you know, she'll be interested. And then the last thing I'll say, I promise, and then I'll turn the mic back over to you, is not only letting people in our life know, but also, you know, a lot of good guys. And the reason I say guys is just because so many of my women are clients. So that's the verbiage I'm used to using. A lot of good guys really will have a hard time asking a widow out because they don't want to insult her. Okay, it's been nine months. You know, she seems really sweet. I find her attractive. God, I'd love to ask her out. But what if she's not ready? 
What if she takes total offense to that? So you have the ability to actually drop little hints here and there that you are back out there or are looking to get back out there without ever actually asking the person out or coming out and being like, I want you to ask me out. You can drop those hints and make it easier for them to walk through that door. What might a widow say to hint that she's interested or available? Yeah, so I can give you a bunch of examples. Let me just give this one. It's a real life example. (laughs) So I have a client who's 30 years old and she works at a warehouse. And every Monday and Thursday, the delivery guy would come and she found him attractive. She was about 14 months out, I think, at this point. And she's like, John, you know, he like flirts with me a little bit, but like he's never asked me out. And I'm like, does he know that you're a widow? And she's like, yeah, he know. And I'm like, does he know that you're dating again? Like or open to it? And she's like, well, no. How would he know that? I said, okay, do this for me. Next time he comes in on a Monday, ask him how his weekend was. And he's going to tell you. And then hopefully he says, how's your weekend? And you're going to make up a little white line. You're going to say that you had a date over the weekend and it didn't really go well. And you're going to kind of giggle about it, right? Like it's going to be a funny thing, not like a sad or weird thing. Right there, what you're doing is you are telling this man who you want him to ask you out that, yes, you're a widow, but you're out there. You're dating again and you're single. You haven't found anyone again. So there's a million examples I can give, but that is one really crystal clear way where she did not have to ask him out. She didn't have to open herself up for rejection if she doesn't like that type of thing. But she opened the door wide open for him to know that it was okay for him to ask her out. That's pretty slick. Yeah. (laughs) You could probably do an entire session on things like that, you know, ways to... Let people know. You have very quickly in the last few minutes run through a couple of things. And what I want to put out there to our listeners is one of the ways to get yourself out there is simply by networking. Now, if you were in the corporate world at all, you're familiar with networking. Those meet and greets, those business luncheons, you know, everything like that. You're knowing your friends, your relatives. Network. You've got a great network out there. They know you. They know you well. And they probably are sharp enough to know when there's someone who might be a decent match for you. So network and let people know. Uh, You cannot, as John said, you cannot isolate yourself and restrict yourself to delivery men that come to the door. Although in that one case, it seemed to work pretty well. (laughs) But we are unfortunately running out of time. So at this point, John, I would like to turn the mic over to you and let you speak directly to our listeners without me interjecting questions and perspectives in there. It's all yours. Thank you so much again for having me. So if anybody's interested in my books or my coaching or any of my workshops, my website is johnpolocoaching.com. My third book is actually about dating again as a widowed person. And again, I work with clients one-on-one. I do virtual workshops, courses, all that type of stuff. So the website is johnpolocoaching.com. We will have contact information, as always, on our website and in the episode notes. I want to do a little plug here for John's books. He has a format that's very interesting because it's not really in chapters. Just each page or each series of pages have some thoughts on it. 
random, I think you call them random rants and raves, in fact, in one of your books. I have read his first two books, love them both. I have to grab a copy of his third one, not so much because I'm going to put myself out there, but, you know, hey, you never know. I'm growing constantly in my grief, so who knows what next week is going to bring. Again, I might meet somebody, and at least I'm open to it, so uh, I have done that. So maybe, John, we'll get you to come back a third time and talk more specifically about your dating book and actually dating, not just starting to date like we did today. I would absolutely love it. Yep. Great. Well, we'll get it scheduled maybe for another month, month out. So to our listeners, I just want to wrap up and say thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate you so much. We know that you're all scattered around the globe, actually. So I hope wherever you're listening that you remember to take care of yourself while you're grieving or, you know, even if you're not grieving, please take care of yourself. Sometimes you have to count on yourself for that. And we hope that you'll tune in again next week as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.